Good morning, everybody. So good to see everyone today. You guys doing good? Yeah, God cares about your cares. Isn't that encouraging? If you're like me, maybe you don't have a lot of people that care about your cares, right? Now, I'm not like being, you know, don't, don't feel sorry for me. But yesterday, um, all three of my kids, they were all like right by me. Actually, we just finished playing Slapjack. Yeah, it was a real intense game. And um, I had just given them all, hey, you three, you need to go do this before you do anything else, right? And they all scurried away, but not towards anything I had just said, right? And so I'm sitting there like, oh. And then I hear Jake from the other room, hey, what'd your mom, you guys, what'd your mom just tell you to do? In silence. And I, and I, and I yell from the other room, please, one of you, know what I just said. Please, just one of you, be able to say what I just said to you. Silence. And then finally, one of them, the bravest one goes, we don't know what she said to us, <laughs> right? But hey, God cares about your care. So if nobody else is listening, nobody else is caring, listen, God cares about your cares. We're in this awesome series right now, and, and I'm really um, excited about it. I thought that it, last week was so good. I'm excited for next week. We are talking about goodbye, hello, goodbye to panic, goodbye to fear, goodbye to anxiety, despair, sadness, depression, hello to hope, right? Hello to joy, hello to peace, hello to Jesus. And I am so excited to be talking to you guys about this today. You know, um, you might be wondering, why are they talking about this at church? Because so many people are dealing with this. So many people are struggling with these things. In fact, in 2010, a study went out that said that there was 253 million prescriptions written for antidepressants in 2010. There's, there was 311 million, this is in the United States, there's 311 million people in the United States at that time. That means there was only 60 million less prescriptions than there were people. That's pretty wild, right? Uh, a study last year showed that one in eight people that they surveyed, one in every eight people said that they had taken an antidepressant in the last 30 days. That means in this room, if there's 200 people, 25 people would have taken an antidepressant in the last 30 days. Now, why am I saying this? To make people feel bad about taking antidepressants? Absolutely not. I'm saying this so you know that this is something that a lot of us struggle with. There is a lot of people here, sitting here today, that struggle with panic, that struggle with anxiety, that struggle with fear, that struggle with despair, that struggle with sadness, that struggle with depression. And so that's why we're talking about it, because did you know God did not create you to have to live that way? It's easy for someone who feels like they're all alone, right? And that they're the only one who struggles with this to feel like this is just how I am. But we are here today to tell you, guess what? God did not create you to live that way. And we hope that you find hope. We're praying that you can say goodbye to those things and hello to hope. You know, um, a couple weeks ago, I got this awesome opportunity to um, just interview my friend. I have this friend, and she really struggled with um, panic. This was a, a little while ago. She said in the interview she had never thought she had been a fearful person her whole life growing up, never felt like she dealt with fear or anything like that. But suddenly, one day, something changed, and it led her into a, a four-year 
battle where she was battling panic attacks and intense fear. And so um, we recorded this conversation and I'm actually gonna play you guys a couple of clips from that conversation today. Um, and so the girl, her name is Jamie and she is married, she's married for 11 years. They have three kids and they own their own business. It's called Men of Steel. Is there a manlier name for a business? right? And they do something with gutters. I would try to explain to you, but I don't even understand. That's why I was here, like, yo, gutters? Cool. I don't know what that means, but they do something with gutters. And, um, you know, they're, they're really great. They're really fun to be around. And if you met her, if you know her, you would never know that she had struggled with this. And so right now we're just going to take a minute. Um, it's only sound, no video, but we do have pictures of Jamie for you to watch. But listen, pay attention. I think her story, this is the first day when the first thing happened. So let's go ahead and listen to it. Um, for example, I'll give you kind of what happened if I can paint a picture of what I'm going through. So what, you know, that day that that happened, it hit me. And I don't know if you've ever been in the presence of something demonic or some sort of spirit of fear. There's a really disgusting sense and terror and it's in you, it's around you, it's all over you. you it's, it's weird, and I don't, I don't know how to describe it except for when you, when you are in the presence of it, you know exactly what it is. But even if you're not a believer, I talk to people who don't even know God, and they have experiences, and they don't, they just don't know what it is. But the description is the same, and so you know that whatever it is is yucky, it's gross, it's, well, it's just, it's just pure terror. And when it hit me, I honestly thought I was dying, and I've never experienced anything like that, and I. And I say that not lightly. Like some people are like, oh, yeah, you're not dying. No, I literally thought I was. Um, I felt this weird sense of something go up my leg, and it almost like something ran up inside my leg, and I grabbed my leg and panicked with a panic feeling, and I was flooded with fear throughout my whole body. My heart began to pound harder than I knew it could, and I thought it was going to stop or jump out of my chest, and I got clammy and sweaty and. I was hearing these weird sounds in my ears, and I dropped, I got all shaky, and my legs went kind of dummy, you know, I, I just was like, oh no, and my babies were small at that time, I just had Ava and Logan, and so I actually struggled to kind of get to my phone, and I called 911, because it was, I mean, when you feel all those things happening, you just, you feel something very bad, and so I called 911, and she asked me what was wrong, I said, I don't know, that I need you to come now because I'm going to die and my kids will be left alone. And that's exactly what I said to her. And she just kind of talked me through it and I just kind of tried to explain what I was feeling and what was going on and then the fire department showed up and I, I'm just sitting on the floor just kind of like, it didn't just kind of go away. I mean, it calmed down slightly, but they just, they kind of checked me over and I kept telling them there's something in my leg. I think there's like a blood spot that's up in my leg. The way it's, I don't know how to describe it. It sounds silly saying it out loud, but I was I was in sheer panic, and they just looked at me, and they checked me out, and they said, your blood pressure's a little high, but just because you're scared. And he looked at me, and he just said, ma'am, I, I think you're just having a panic attack. And I looked at him, and I remember frowning. I said, no, no, that's not what I'm having. I don't have those. <laughs> and that was my response to him. And he said, it's okay, most people, this, this is what happens the first time they have one, they do, they call 911, they think, you know, it makes you feel like you're dying, but I promise you're not, and um, you're okay, can we call your husband? And so I called, you know, they called Skyler and came home from Ashland, and anyway, so that was the very first day of that, but that feeling never left, it was like, from that moment on, 
fear button in me that got flipped on like a light switch and I couldn't turn it off. There was a fear button in me that got flipped on like a light switch and I couldn't turn it off. Isn't that crazy? Jamie, what she went through, she started to have panic attacks just like this every single day. Every single day she would go through this. The very next day they had one car, so she was dropping her husband off at work and she had her kids in the car and she was driving back home and she was driving on the freeway with her kids and she had this same panic attack happen while she was in the car. And so she had to pull over on the side of the freeway and try to wait for it to go away. Every single day for four years, she battled this. And you know, I know there's a lot of people in this room that when you hear there was a fear button inside of me, like a light switch that got turned on, and I don't know how to turn it off, that you relate to that. There's a sad button inside of you that got turned on. There's a despair button inside of you that got turned on. There's a panic button. There's an anxiety button. There's a fear button, and you don't know how to turn it off. You know, um, when I was, before I was born, it was about a month before um, my mom was going to have me, my parents, my dad, he's a, he, he was Texan, and so we lived in Texas. And um, my mom's dad, he had had a stroke, I believe, and, and he was given six months to live, and he lived all by himself in California. And so my parents moved. They took their whole family, and they moved to California and, um, to take care of him for those last six months that he was supposed to live. Well, my grandpa ended up living for nine years, right? And he um, had so many things problems. But every single time they said, this is it. This is it. This is the end. And we would go to the hospital to say our goodbyes. But every single time he, he always pulled through, he always came out of it. Right. And, um, you know, I was so grateful. I am so grateful for those years because my grandpa, when I was a little kid was like my best friend. I saw him every day. We'd either go to his house to take care of him, or he would come over to our house and he was just so much fun. So I'm so grateful that I got to have those years with him. But I remember really distinctly many, many times going to the hospital to say goodbye to my grandpa. Well, this was it. This was, you know, the last time. And my grandpa, he was like, I don't know if you guys have heard that song when you were a kid, but the cat came back the very next day. They thought he was a goner, but he wouldn't stay away, right? They're trying to get rid of this cat. And that was basically my grandpa. Every single time they're like, this is it. You got to come say goodbye. And we would go, bye grandpa. We love you. We love you. He always was like, I'm back. I'm good. I'm going to live for seven more years, right? And he, that's just the kind of guy that he was. And so actually the time that he did finally pass away, I, I, I didn't believe it. You know, I was like, nah, he's coming back, right? Because so many times he always pulled through. But the, the thing that I remember, every single time I would go to the hospital to say my goodbyes, my grandpa would be laying there in a hospital bed. There would be doctors all around him, you know, nurses all around. And, and it's very like somber atmosphere, right, in the room. And every time my grandpa would be repeating to himself, just saying to himself, he would be saying Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He had it memorized and he would just be saying that whole chapter, all of those verses over and over and over. And what was my grandpa doing? He was ministering to himself, right? He knew, hey, these doctors are here and they're saying I'm not gonna make it, right? And these doctors, they're here to take care of me, but they're not my shepherd. I know who my shepherd is. The Lord is my shepherd, and I'm not going to be full of fear. I'm not going to panic. He has my life in his hands. Whatever he says, that's what's going to happen, right? And so that's what he was doing. But there's a really great verse in Psalms 23, Psalms 23, 4. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
Man, that's a powerful verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. How many of you guys have been through places where you, you know, you walk into the wrong neighborhood, you take a wrong turn, whatever, and you're like, this is the valley of the shadow of death. We got to get out of this neighborhood. We, we were taking a huge team. We had two van loads of people to downtown LA. We were doing like a fundraiser and we took a wrong turn and there was literally lots of rats openly running across the road. And we were like, we got to get out of this valley of the shadow of death right now. You turn, get out of here, right? We turned around, but I love this verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I want to um, tell you guys a story real quick. It happens in Mark 5. Mark is one of the gospels is what we call it. It's written by a man named Mark. He's someone who got to spend time with Jesus when Jesus was on earth. And this is one of the things that Jesus did when he was walking here on earth. It says in uh, verse 1, they came to the other side of the sea, this is Jesus and his followers, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Now, this story is kind of a crazy story in the Bible. What ends up happening is that this man, you know, he asks him, like, what do you have to do with me? And the man basically says, like, I'm full, I'm full of demons, right? I have a lot of problems inside. And so the, the, the demons literally speaking through the man say, send us into all these pigs that are over here, you know, just minding their own business, the poor pigs. And so Jesus does, he casts all these demons out. He sends them into these pigs. The pigs flip out and go jump off a cliff into the sea. So then the farmers of all the pigs are very upset, right? understandably, that all of their pigs have just all died. And so they're really mad and they come and they basically kick Jesus out of the town. So it is a strange story and it's a strange reason why I'm telling it today. You're like, what is the correlation to this story? But you know, I kept my, I, when we were preparing for this series, when we were talking about this series, I kept thinking about this man, this man who lived among the tombs. In fact, it says, that he lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. They're trying to, he's just kind of a raging man. In some translations, it says that he was naked, right? So this man who's screaming, yelling, he has cuts all over his body. He probably has bits of chain on him, right? And he's naked, is running at Jesus, right? This is a man who is raving lunatic. And yet... What happens with one moment that Jesus is, is with this man? It says in verse 15, they came to Jesus, they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, right? One encounter with Jesus and this man was completely transformed. He had been living his life, living in a graveyard, living in the tombs. And one encounter with Jesus and everything changed. You know, the reason that I felt like God kept bringing me back to this passage is there's people in this room that when you hear this man's story, it sounds a little bit about how you feel. That you feel like, man, I'm just this person who's just living in like a graveyard. Maybe, I'm, hopefully you're not physically living in a graveyard. But 
in my mind, it's like, it's like a graveyard. There's darkness. I'm all alone. It doesn't matter what people have given me good advice. Maybe I've, I've gone to doctors and they've told me what to do. I've taken different medications and it doesn't matter. It helps for a while, but then I break free of the chains and I'm still here lost. I'm still here just desperate for something to change in my life. And let me tell you something. The answer that was for him is the same answer as for you. It's one moment with Jesus can change your life. I think it's so interesting that this man was living among the tombs because remember what we read in Psalms 23. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You see, it doesn't say, um, to me, the valley of the shadow of death is the same thing as a graveyard, right? It's a valley of death. And yet it's saying, even though I walk through that, I don't fear any evil. You see, God, if you're a Christian and you've given your life to Jesus, he, he never said that you won't go through valleys. He never said that you won't have hard times. He never said that you won't have storms. But he did promise you that if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear any evil because he is with you, that he is right there, right beside you. You see, I think so many of us in this room, we get to a valley of a shadow of death and we don't know how to get out. And God never planned for you to live there. He wants you to walk through it. Do you know what that word through means? It means I, I enter from one part and I exit at the other. It doesn't mean that I stay here forever. It means I just walk right through. I get through it. And that's what we want to see any person struggling today to be able to know I can walk through this. I can get through this. You know, we're gonna play another clip from Jamie and this is a day she's gonna tell you about where it was just a turning point in her journey. So go ahead and play that. I really thought that I wasn't getting it and I was failing and I just had such a hard time with that. I'm like, I'm really trying, you know? I'm going to church and I'm taking everybody's advice. I'm reading all these scriptures and I'm asking you to help me. Please take this away, take this away, take this away. And he didn't take it away. And I kept doing the thing and I just got frustrated. And one day I was just like, you know what? I can't do it. God, I can't not be afraid. I don't know what to tell you. I'm just, I'm, I'm so like, I'm wrong and I can't fix it. And I, I never watched those flyers on TV. I don't even know why my TV was on. I don't even know what channel it was. If she was on TV, and I was sitting there just in complete desperation and hopelessness and just wanted to give up and said, I'm sorry that I couldn't do it. You know, I'm sorry I can't stop being afraid. And she was up there on stage and just talking about fear, and she, something clicked in me, like God being something that freed me from that thought. And she said, you're not wrong for being afraid. Well, she was me with a natural emotion to me. You're not wrong for being afraid, but it's what you do when fear shows up that makes you wrong. Do you turn and run, or do you stand your ground? And I knew that God was speaking to me. Because you know when he's saying it to you, it's almost like on a megaphone right at your face, and you're hearing it like in a weird, loud way. <laughs> and it was like, from that moment, I was like, oh, okay. So I was listening to a lot of enemies telling me, because you're afraid, you, you're, you're basically wrong, and you're, you know, you're failing. He goes, no, you're not failing. But if you turn and run from this thing, then you're wrong. So even if you're standing your ground, even if you're sliding backwards, but you're you're literally standing your ground, then you're not wrong, and you're you're gonna you're fighting and you're gonna get it right. And I was like, oh, okay. So from that moment on, 
when fear was on me, I didn't feel wrong, I didn't feel bad, I didn't feel condemned. I just thought, okay, I'm standing my ground. And that's where God was teaching me how to fight. Yeah. That I I had to see my enemy for who he was. I mean, he's somebody that I had to really know that Satan is a real enemy. He's good at what he does, but he's also a creative being by God, and there's no match there. And so I I actually have the ability to fight him, but I need to know how he operates. And that that was what I had to learn over those years that he was coming at me in my mind, he was coming at me with life, he was coming at me with scary things and scary feelings, and I just had to realize that those things weren't going to hurt me. And once I realized that he wasn't going to take me, even if he wasn't taking my life, there was something that God was carrying inside of me, this fight that I had never known, where I remember standing in my room with my fist clenched, and I literally, I don't know if this is right, or if I could have done this, but when you're like, I'm going to fight for your life, I stood there, and I was with tears in my face, I just remember going, bring it on, you know, bring it on, and I was dead serious, and I, it was a, it was a weird place, it was like something switched, and I was like, you know what, if I'm going out and I'm going to die, fine, bring it on, because I'm not going down like a coward, it was like something switched in me, and I had to get mad at it, I had to like, I had to just go, you know what, you're trying to isolate me, that's what an enemy does. You know, if you're in a war, Skylar, this is where Skylar steps in. If you really had to start giving me something, he really kind of like encouraged me to fight because that, that's the only way he knew how to help me was to help me to fight. And he said, you know, if you're in a war, you the best thing you can do is get your enemy isolated. You know, so if he's trying to isolate you. So that's why when people have these moments where they don't, oh, I don't, I don't want to drive on the freeway again. I, don't, I can't go there again. I can't talk about this because these feelings will come back. It's like trying, you slowly was trying to back me up into this corner and get me isolated. And I was defenseless at that point. Yeah. If that makes sense. So I just really thought, you know what? No. And so I thought, I'm going to go on the freeway. I literally got my car every day and I drove on the freeway until I didn't have a panic attacks anymore. <laughs> you just like faced your fears head on one by one. Yeah, one by one. Isn't that powerful? It's so powerful. You know, I love what she said. You're not wrong for feeling fear. So many of us, that's where we stop. We feel fear. We feel anxiety. We feel panic. We feel despair. We feel sadness for no reason. We feel depressed. And we just stop right there. And we just begin to feel shame. We begin to feel condemnation. We begin to feel like, oh, see, God, this is why you could never use me. But that's just the enemy trying to make you not fight. I love what she said. You're not wrong for feeling fear. You're wrong in how you respond. Are you going to stand up and are you going to start to fight? Today, we want you, if you're struggling, to feel that boldness, that courage to know that you can stand up and you can start fighting. You know, I heard a, a, a testimony this week. It was from a dad, and he was talking about his son. And he said his son told him, you know, Dad, I, I spent so many years hearing the wrong thing, listening the, to the wrong thing, um, you know, uh, thinking the wrong way, that now I have to listen to the Bible all the time just so that it can help me with how I think. Guess what? 
We're all the same way. Every single one of us, no matter what kind of life that you've lived, every single one of us, if you live on earth, we are constantly inundated with the way that we should think, the way that we should be, the way that we should act. And the only thing that changes the way that we think is when we begin to hear the word of God 24-7 inside of us, right? And that's really one, one awesome um, weapon that God has given every single one of us is his, is his Bible. They're going to put up on the screen just a, a short list of verses. There are tons more in the Bible that God will give you so that you can begin to fight these things in your life. Can you guys put those up, please? those verses, but this is just a resource for you that when you are struggling, when you have fear, despair, anxiety, any of those things, that you begin to say, no, I'm gonna fight with what the Bible says because the Bible says that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love and a sound mind. And you begin to say, no, I'm not gonna be a fearful person because that's not what the Bible says that I am. That's the way that we begin to change the way that we think. You know, this, the, this last week, this week, next week, we're going to be singing that song, Tremble, where for the rest of you, this song is Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, right? Like, what's, what's the name of that song? It's actually called Tremble. We're, we're singing that on purpose because it's a resource for you right? To be able to, on your own, when you start feeling fear, when you start feeling darkness, that you can say, no, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. When you are here, everything changes, including in your own house, including in your own home. You know, my little kids, you know, when the, you know, little kids, when they go to sleep at night, you're trying to put them in bed and, and immediately they're fearful of everything, right? They've never been scared one day in their whole life. But as soon as you're trying to get them to go to bed, suddenly there is, you know, a, a monster in their closet there's ghouls under their bed. There's someone looking in the window. I mean, like there's a tree going to fall in their house. That one, that's a real fear for us. But you know, the, all of these things, you know, that they're all of a sudden so scared of. And, and I tell my kids whenever they tell me, oh, mom, I'm so scared, you know, or whatever. No, I'm fear. I always tell them. And I'm going to be honest with you. It's not 100% the right motives. 10% is I just want them to go to bed and not get up. Okay, but 90% is I tell them, when you are scared, you say the name of Jesus. If you say, Jesus, come help me, I'm scared. He's right there with you. Why do I tell them that? You're, you're, they're a five-year-old, you're brainwashing them. Absolutely, I want them to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when they call on the name of Jesus, he is there, he is right there. And do you hear me right now? When you call on the name of Jesus, he is there. Darkness has to leave, darkness has to leave. Do you understand? You have power in the name of Jesus over the fear, over the anxiety, over the panic, over the darkness. It, it comes on us and it makes us feel like we have no power. Power. But if you believe in Jesus, he changes everything. It says in Philippians 2, 10, it says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. There is power in the name of Jesus. It says in 1 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. They, I don't know if you guys put up the songs. There's also a list of songs that I um, listed out, just a few songs for you. Begin to play worship music when you are fighting for your life. Jamie was fighting for her life. Life, she didn't just say, fine, I'll just, this will just be my life now, right? No, she began to stand up and say, no, this is not my life. Begin to turn on worship songs, begin to fight against it, begin to play something else. Where does your fight come from? 
Where does your fight come from? In 1 John 4, 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. Listen to me. Some of you guys in this room, your, your story might be like Jamie's, where it takes time of you fighting, intentionally fighting, right? And God is going to set you free. But some of you in this room, I believe your story is going to be more like the man in Mark 5, where it's one encounter with Jesus and he was set free. It's one moment with Jesus and everything changed. His chains were broken. It said he was sitting, he was clothed, he was in his right mind. He no longer had those things battling inside of him anymore. One moment. And God is here in this place, in Eugene, Oregon, in a movie theater. He is here. And if you will cry out to him, he will set you free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so right now, I want to pray for two groups of people. The first group of people is that if you have, are struggling right now, if you're struggling with fear, anxiety, panic, sadness, despondency, despair, depression, if you're struggling with those things, you know, I've been praying for you guys. I know lots of people have been praying for you. Leading up to this series and during this series, I have been praying for you, and I believe that God is going to do a miracle today that God will set you free in a moment. He's calling you out of the tombs. You know what's powerful? Jesus said about himself, I am the resurrection and the life. He can call you out of those tombs to live a new life, that today you can walk out of this place with hope. So right now, if everyone would close your eyes and bow your heads, if that's you and you're struggling and you want prayer, no one's looking around, just raise your hand, because I'm gonna pray and I believe God is gonna do a miracle right now. Jesus, you see every single one of us in this room, God. You see where our hearts are. You see where our minds are, God. I thank you that the Bible says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We thank you that you are in this place, that you are here with us, and that there is freedom in this place, God. We speak freedom over every person who is struggling, God, that they will be like that man, that suddenly they will feel chains falling off them, God. They will know that today something has changed. Today, I have boldness. It says in the Bible that the righteous are as bold as lions. And God, we thank you that the people in this room will begin to have a boldness like a lion inside of them to say, no more. I'm not a victim of this anymore because I'm standing up and I'm fighting. And the God who is standing right next to me is way bigger and more powerful than anything that is coming against me. God, we pray and we speak freedom to every person right now in the name of Jesus.